All right. Well, it's 11 o'clock, so we'll go ahead and, and get started. Um, good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you're you're joining in from. Uh, my name is Leslie Avila. I um, was the former program manager of what most of uh, some of you who used to join these monthly calls, uh, the program being WLI Women's Leadership Initiative. We um, are having a program change, so I recently um, accepted a position as an HR business partner, and so we'll be transitioning into that role. And so my colleague, um, uh, Miles, will be taking over, and, and we'll talk a little more about that. But um, just wanted to talk about, like I said, the, the Women's Leadership Initiative right now is being put on hold. Um, and it will be turned, we will have another program that will be for uh, female employees. We'll be calling it GROW, which is uh, Growing Rush Outstanding Women. And that more to come on, on that. Um, once uh, uh, another program manager is um, is brought onto the talent management team, so just wanted to let everyone know. I know some some changes, but um, but we still will keep on with these monthly webinars. And like I said, we'll we'll talk a little more about that. Um, but before we we get into that, Miles, if you want to hop onto uh, the next slide or the next two slides, maybe. Uh, if anyone is experiencing any technical issues, hopefully that's not the case, but if you are needing any technical assistance, Allison Posey is available. Uh, her email is there on the screen, so you can reach out to her either via email or you can send her a direct instant message via Teams um, and she can help you to get situated. And then for those that maybe have never joined a Teams meeting before, we always uh, want the sessions to be interactive. And so there'll be a Q&A portion, but at any point in the presentation, if you have a question or, or a comment, we certainly invite you to, um, uh, to engage. And so you'll notice on the top right-hand uh, side of your screen, there's different uh, icons. The third from the far left is a, an emoji dropdown. If you click on that, you'll see a little raised hand. If you wouldn't mind just clicking that raise hand and that lets us know that uh, you do have a comment or question and it just prevents everyone from speaking over each other. Um, currently your mics are muted and, and uh, will be muted the duration of the session, but if you uh, do have a comment or question, feel free to unmute that mic and feel free to turn your camera on as well um, and you can ask your question. If you feel more comfortable using the chat box, feel free to uh, to do that and you can type in your, your question there and we'll make sure to uh, to get that answered. Um, so with that, I'm going to hand things over to Michelle Zormeyer. She's the Senior Director of Talent Management, and uh, she has a few words that, uh, that she'd like to say. Great. Thank you, Leslie. Hello, everyone. Thank you for attending today. I just would like to congratulate Leslie on her new position and uh, thank her for all that she's done to get uh, WLI off the ground. I know it's been appreciated uh, by many, and um, although... Uh, myself and the team will, will greatly miss her in talent management. Um, I'm also very happy for her because it's a, a wonderful opportunity for her in her career growth and development. And as she mentioned, Miles will be taking over this portion, which is now being rebranded as um, the Professional Learning Network, PLN, and will be professional development topics for everyone. And then once I backfill Leslie's position, which we have uh, posted now, and then that person will take on um, building out the grow portion that Leslie mentioned, um, growing rush outstanding women. And that will be topics um, and challenges and discussions that pertain solely and uniquely to women. Uh, so more to come on that. And if anyone has any recommendations, if you know of anyone as a possible backfill, uh, please feel free to, to follow up with me. But just wanted to wish Leslie well, congratulate her, and thank Miles for taking over the PLM portion of it. So thank you. All right. So this morning uh, we're going to talk uh, with uh, Deborah Gates, who's the manager of advice and wellness with CapTrust. We're also going to hear from our own Devin Duty. Uh, we're going to be talking about 401k investment fundamentals. Um, and with that, I will pass off to Deborah. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you very much, Miles. It's a pleasure to be here today to talk about uh, investment fundamentals. I'm going to turn my my camera off. Just wanted you to see me and say hello. 
Uh, but I'm going to turn my camera off because I want the focus to really to be on uh, on the slides uh, and the presentation that I'm giving. Uh, once again, this session is interactive, so if you do have questions, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to, to ask those questions. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be a designated time at the end, uh, but if you throw your hand up, and so Miles, if you see a hand up uh, while I'm talking about a particular subject, and if you want to, to interrupt me, I'm, I'm good with that as well. So either way works well for me. Um, sure, so, yeah. We'll keep an eye on that, and then we'll also have questions at the end if anybody wants to save a question. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect. Uh, but if just if it's, if it's something where they need more clarification, then please don't hesitate to stop me. All right, so turned off my camera. So yeah, like like he said, you know, I'm, I'm here with CapTrust, uh, and we are the advisor to your retirement plan. And I want to take you through, um, you know, what you need to know about some of the basics. And it's going to be a very high level, broad brush on the investment fundamentals uh, that I'm going to speak about today. Um, but we definitely welcome um, all of your questions that you might have. First of all, just to give you a disclaimer, I'm not going to read through all of these disclaimers, but I want you to take a minute to, to kind of look over that as I'm talking. What I do want to say is that within each retirement plan, there are different investment options and each one of them has a different degree of risk. Uh, so it's important to understand the risk involved when choosing those investment options. And so hopefully after this presentation today, you'll have a better understanding of the investments that you have available within your plan and how to choose what might be right for you. And if you have some questions about that, we're here to help you. You know, we are your partner. Uh, we like to position ourselves as being a part of your benefits package. And so we're really available here to help you with any investment decisions that you have. Um, you know, we don't offer any tax, legal uh, advice or accounting advice, but we can definitely advise you on your investment options. So we will help you look at your core fund lineup and we'll help you make a decision on how your money should be invested, uh, looking at those choices. But we're definitely here to help you. Want you to know that you have a resource. So today I know this looks like a lot that I'm going to talk about, and it is. I'm going to talk about a lot of things today. I want to talk about how we work together for you. We want to talk about how these asset classes work together. Go into a little and just kind of give a high level uh, definition and overview of what's a stock, what's a bond, what is a mutual fund. We hear all of these things. We hear about volatility in the market. We hear that the market was up. We hear that the market was down. What does that really mean? The S&P was up. The S&P was down. What does that mean? And 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 how should you respond to that? I want to give a little review of the markets, and then we're going to look at understanding your plan benefits. So this is how we work together. Three entities involved, all working together on your plan. Uh, so the plan sponsor is Russian Enterprises, and so they're overseeing the benefit. Uh, they're the they're responsible for hiring uh, Cap Trust and for hiring Fidelity. So in that position, they are overseeing. They're making sure that the retirement plans are competitive. They're they hire the provider. They're making sure that that we're complying with the laws and regulations for the plan. They're continually working working to, to improve and enhance your retirement benefits. Your plan record keeper, that's Fidelity. They're more transactional. They're going to administer the plan. They're going to administer the plan. And we all have these, gov there's this there's this overview, this governing agencies that we have to um, make sure that we're following the regulations and the rules, making sure that they, you know, they're keeping plan documentation. They're actually keeping the records Fidelity. They maintain your account information. They're going to provide statements, and you probably already know that you've gone onto their website. You probably called and have spoken to one of their uh, call center representatives. Uh, and they can help you with questions. And that's anything that's transactional. So if you want to increase your contributions, if you want to uh, make a change as to how your money is invested, anything that's transactional, that's where you're going to go to Fidelity. At CapTrust, we provide you advice. And we act in the in and we, we take the posture of fiduciary. And what that simply means is, is that we don't have any products to sell. The only thing that we're doing is providing a service. And the objective for CapTrust is to give you the advice that would be suitable for you. 
So whatever your needs are. So we don't have any funds to put you in. We don't have anything to offer you but a service. And so we're going to look, we take a holistic approach. We want to look at everything that you set aside for your retirement. Uh, we want to look at all of your funds and we want to make sure that we're giving you advice and giving you an investment mix that's suitable for you and for your household. Uh, we provide education. Uh, we provide webinars. Uh, actually, we're going to speak about it a little bit later, even more detail. We have a webinar that's coming up uh, actually tomorrow. Uh, it'll be at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And that webinar we're doing is we're sending to all of our clients. Right now we have about 1,300 people that have registered. We're expecting probably about seven to 800 on that. Um, I'll I'll do that uh, uh, that webinar tomorrow. I'll have a, a couple of panelists with me, and we're going to really look at uh, prioritizing savings. We hear that you know there's so many things that are going on. We have so many goals. We have so many obligations. How do you decide what to save for first? And sometimes those priorities change. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So I strongly encourage you to go out to the website. And I can't see, I think Miles may have put it into the chat box, but you can always go out to captrustadvice.com and make sure that you register for that. And even if you can't make it to the, to the live webinar, if you sign up for the, the webinar and you're registered, you'll get a copy of the recording. So at least uh, sign up for it, and even if you can't make it. And then the next day, which will be Thursday, you'll get a copy of the recording. All right, so let's talk about how asset classes work together. You know, all investments, wherever you're investing, all of it's going to come with a certain level of risk. And the level of risk you are willing to take is going to have an impact on the level of return you will potentially receive. So higher risk investments, they have a potential for higher return, while lower risk investments, they may produce a lower rate of return. Uh, higher risk investments, they're going to have a little bit more volatility. Lower risk investments may not experience the significant increases or decreases during those short investment timeframes. Uh, but the investments that are right for you will depend on your personal risk tolerance, and that can be customized to match your level of risk and or your desired level of return. But what we all know, and you're probably going to hear me say this about 5,000 more times today, is that past performance is no indication of future performance. But whatever your investment you're in, if you're in something, you know, a high risk investment like a, a stock fund, an international, any of those funds, there's going to be some ups and some downs, some volatility. Even when you're looking at a, uh, a low risk, like a money market, there is, some, there is still some risk that you may incur. Because when you're investing too conservatively for the amount of time that you have, then you may run the risk of not having enough money at your time of retirement, because your investment may not, keeping, may not be keeping up with inflation, right? So whichever investment you're in, there's still a certain degree of risk. And so what we want you to do is we want you to, you know, spread out your risk. I don't have a crystal ball. Like I said, I don't know what the market is going to do. Past performance is no indication of future performance. What you're trying to do is get the right representation for you. So in the event that something happens in one asset class, perhaps the gain you incur from the other will substantiate your loss. So in retirement plans, there are normally three basic types of investments. It's usually a stock, bond, or cash. Stock is synonymous to equity investments. Bonds is synonymous to fixed income. Or cash is where you're looking at a stable value or a money market. When you're looking at stocks or equities, as they're often called, they represent ownership in a company. Uh, and as an investor, you're hoping that those companies are well run, they're profitable. Uh, and those stocks, they typically have the greatest degree of risk. When you're looking at bonds, the fixed income, that's simply an IOU where you're loaning money to governments or corporations. When you're looking at a cash fund, it's just that. Uh, very conservative, uh, usually a stable value, money market, uh, you know, they're, they're designed to kind of offer you protection to your investment while earning some level of interest. So let's look at how all of these work together. Uh, studies have shown that the largest influence in your rate of return is your asset allocation or how you divide your money among the different asset classes that you have available. 
you know, people think sometimes that, you know, timing the market, anticipating when to buy and when to sell a security is a key contributor to a portfolio's return. No. Studies have shown consistently, and it's been proven, that asset allocation is a key factor in a portfolio's overall long-term growth. So here again, you want to get with the strategy that's going to take you through the short-term ups and downs of the market. Uh, and so you want to spread out your risk. So if we look here, you know, we often wonder, why do so many people get into the stock market? It's because when you look historically, stocks have outperformed bonds, bonds have outperformed cash. And so that's looking at 1926 until till the end of 2021. And so even though within those time periods, you know, we've had some turbulent times, you know, that that time period includes 2008. That time period includes includes 2011, 2015. Um, and so stocks have outperformed even when you look overall. The important thing is that you have to get with a strategy that's going to take you through those short-term ups and downs of the market, and you also have to get a strategy that's going to fit your risk tolerance and your temperament, uh, because you don't want to be reactive to the market. You want to get with the strategy, and you're going to stick with it. You're looking at long-term. This is for your retirement, all right? So now, let's take a look at them individually. Let's look at what we'll go dig a little bit deeper into stocks. As I discussed earlier, just a few moments ago, I said individual stock represents ownership in a company. Stocks are going to trade on an exchange. And that's where people across the globe are constantly buying and selling them to one another. And the price of a stock may continuously change based on what someone is willing to pay for the stock at any given moment and what another party is willing to sell the stock for. So the value of the stock is determined by its price per share. And in addition to the share price, some stocks pay dividends. And this happens when the company decides to share profits with the stockholders. The price of a stock will often be impacted when a company announces a dividend or a dividend increase, or they announce lower dividend or decide to stop paying dividends. Now, that's looking at an individual stock. We're going to talk into more detail about looking at mutual funds. So when you're looking at a stock, there are different ways that you can diversify. So even when you're looking at stocks and people think, oh my gosh, there's so much volatility, there's so much risk involved, you, there, there are varying degrees of risk even in the stock funds. So what you want to look at, you want to see, you know, deciding what to invest in, you want to look at the where. You diversify by the where, you know, looking at geographical areas where the investments originate. Is it domestic or is it international? Are, they, are, there, are there companies that are inside of the United States or companies outside of the United States? Or are there companies that have a global presence that are around the globe. You also want to look at size, diversify by the size. And, I, and I'm just talking about size. I'm not talking about revenue. I'm just talking about the size of that company. Is it a large company? Is it a mid-sized company? Or is it a small company? The other way that you diversify is by the style. And the style simply means, is it going to be a growth or is it going to be a value company or is it going to be a mixture thereof? Growth, normally those companies are companies that are trying to outpace the economy. When you're looking at value, they typically, um, you know, don't, uh, you know, they pay dividends and you're actually going in and you're buying those shares undervalued when you're looking at value. All right, so now when we're looking at size and just looking at size and capitalization is looking at market uh, uh, share plus uh, the share plus the, the price, the, the number of shares outstanding and the share price. So when you're looking at large cap, that's companies with market capitalization over 10 billion. When you're looking at mid cap, which is short for capitalization, that's companies with the um, market capitalization between 1 billion and 10 billion. When you're looking at small companies, that's a billion less or less. When you look at like a micro, sometimes there are micro companies, and then those may be like less than a million, right? So there's gonna be a, a lot more uh, volatility. So that's looking at stocks. That's looking at a broad overview of stocks. Now let's look at bonds. What is a bond? Uh, that's, we're talking about credit. You know, bonds are a type of debt is offered by different entities. And when you take a loan from a bank, they expect you to pay them back the principal as well as some interest. Well, in a similar way, when we lend our money to different entities and earn a return on our money, they give us a promise to pay us back our principal and some interest based on their perceived level of risk. 
right? Bonds and bond funds are not guaranteed. They are subject to several different kinds of risk, which I'll discuss here in just a moment. So there are several categories of bonds. There are treasury notes, bills and bonds are issued by the U.S. government. Uh, they're considered the safest type of bond in these categories because of the taxing power of the government to pay its debts. Uh, a municipal note, um, you know, th that's issued by a city, uh, a school district, um, the county, uh, and it would be considered the next safest on the list. However, municipal bonds are not found in retirement plans because they often have some special tax uh, status that causes them not to work well within a retirement plan. Uh, the next one would be the government agency bonds. You want to think of that like um, uh, Jenny May. Uh, these investments are backed by the federal government. You also have corporate debt. And that's where a company issues debt to raise money and promises to pay you back with interest. And that's typically riskier as there's always a, chain, a chance that the company will default, not pay back the investment. Corporate debt, because of the increased risk, it often pays a higher rate of interest. And then finally, there's international bonds. <clears throat> and that's the debt of other countries. Again, due to the things like currency fluctuations, you've got political issues, you know, international bonds are viewed as one of the riskier type of bond offerings. And so there are many different types of bonds. And I just wanted to go through some of the most common ones that you've probably heard about. Now, let's talk about this risk. They have a unique risk. It's called credit default risk, which is the risk that the borrower cannot repay the amount of the investment or what you lent the issuer when it comes due. So sometimes you may only receive a part of your investment or you may receive your repayment late. Prepayment risk exists because some bonds are callable, which means they can be paid off early. And when this happens, it's likely that you won't be able to get the same bang for your buck when you go to reinvest that money that was paid back early. So interest rate risk is the risk of your bonds losing value. Bond prices and interest rates have an inverse relationship. So if interest rates go up, your bonds will lose some of its value. So here's a diagram to show you. I'm really visual, so this really helps me, helped me a lot. So interest rate risk is tied to the relationship between the bond price and the interest rate that was promised versus the current interest rate environment. So the more interest rates go up, the more bond prices will decline. The opposite of that is also true. When interest rates fall, bond prices typically go up. This is because the bond has a promised interest rate that is higher than the rates that might currently be available. And that makes the bond more valuable and results in its price, uh, what someone is willing to sell it for. So the maturity of the bond is how long that issuer will have your money. The longer the maturity, the more a bond will be affected by interest rates. So think of it this way. If you buy a 20-year bond that pays 5% interest and then interest rates go up, new 20-year bonds of similar quality may be available that will pay you 8%. To make your bond as marketable as the new ones, you would have to sell it to someone at a discount. Also, since you're locked into this bond for a long time, you'll have to discount it deeper than someone who has a shorter-term bond. Conversely, if interest rates go down while you have bonds, the value of your bonds will go up <clears throat> with longer term bonds rising more than short term bonds. Right. So that's a brief overview of bonds. Now, I want to wrap this discussion up uh, and I want to discuss what you have in your plan and what you have in your plan. <clears throat> you have mutual funds, so you don't have individual stocks. You don't have individual bonds. You have mutual funds. And so what exactly is that mutual fund? What mutual fund is, it's an investment that pulls together money from many different investors, and it's going to invest the whole pool in a wide range of individual stocks or bonds. So each investor owns a part of the overall fund, and as the securities that are inside the fund fluctuate in value, so does the value of the fund overall. So as this happens, each investor's shares can rise and fall in value. So mutual funds are valued at the close of each day, and most are able to be bought and sold on a daily uh, basis. Mutual funds have many benefits. First of all, they're professionally managed. 
There are teams of portfolio managers who make daily decisions as to which stocks and bonds they want to buy or sell inside of that mutual fund. And so when you're using the mutual fund, it allows you to access better diversification than you likely could as a single investor. Mutual funds have access to thousands of individual stocks or bonds to invest in. And this is extremely valuable because it gives you significant diversification. Uh, mutual funds are also liquid, which means they're easy to sell. There's a huge variety of them, and they each have specific investing objectives. They're fairly easy to use, and they're relatively inexpensive for the benefits that they offer, uh, especially within your retirement plan, where you're benefiting from investing as a group, which is one of the other benefits uh, of having that. Uh, but even though those, all of those benefits there's still some influences that the market has upon that movement. And so there's volatility in the market. You know, you hear the ups and downs of the market. It refers to um, how much different securities fluctuate in value over time. Uh, although cash investments, once I said, typically only increase in value, most stock and bond mutual funds, they'll increase and decrease in value, and they'll do that on a regular basis. Typically, the more risk it is associated with the security, the more volatile it is likely to be. So there's so many things that affect the market. You know, we hear this all the time. People wonder, you know, what makes it go up and what makes it go down? What's what's happening that that it would happen that that would happen? Well, there are economic events like the release of the unemployment numbers, manufacturing or new housing numbers. That affects the markets positively or negatively. The, the market also reacts to how investors, you know, it's really something, it's the way investors feel about the economy. If people are nervous about the, uh, the economy and they feel bad about the economy, they're getting anxious because they're hearing different things, that affects the economy and that affects financial markets. And so when they get anxious and people start worrying about what's going on, what's happening with the pandemic, what's happening with the stocks and the bonds, what's happening in my retirement plan, when they start feeling that way, they sometimes they start making investment decisions based on that emotion. And so that affects uh, the market overall. You know, tax changes, that also affects investments. Um, political events, you know, as we saw that, like elections, uh, natural disasters, geopolitical events, like what's happening right now in Russia and Ukraine, you know, like, uh, you know, war on the horizon. Uh, that may also have varying measures of impact on the market. So there's a lot of things that affect the markets. So let's kind of do a quick review. We've seen some of these causes, and I want to look at some of the things that have happened historically. I'm telling you, it sounds like gloom and doom, but I really do have some good news for you. Um, when we look at this, at this particular diagram, um, we're looking at the S&P, which is a Standard & Poor's 500, it's a benchmark, and we're looking over different periods of time. And so the stock market doesn't necessarily go up every year. However, if you look at the historical market returns each year measured by the S&P 500, we see that roughly four out of every five years, the market is up. And so what this chart is showing us is the individual returns for the S&P 500 on a yearly basis since 1980. So market volatility can often make people fearful of investing in the stock market. But as we look at investing for longer time periods, this is going to give us some confidence that the stock market can be a source of return for us in our investment account. So this is looking at, you know, this is looking at, at one year from 1980 on till uh, 2021. And so you can see the times that it was below. So that in red, that means the market was down. It was down for that year. All right. And we saw the biggest dip there. You can see that big dip. That's around 2008, 2009. All right. So let me just flip this. Keep watching your screen. Wow. Look at this when we look at five year returns. If we stretch that out for just a little bit longer. Over five year time periods, and this is assuming that the money is invested and left in the S&P 500 index for five years. So each of these bars represents someone who had bought into the stock market five years before and then sold out of the market in that year. For instance, the 2000, <clears throat> the 2000 bar, which is roughly uh, about 20, actually this looks like that's about maybe 27%. Uh, 
shows what an investment term would would that that you would have had been made if you had bought into the stock market in 1995 and sold in 2000. As you can see, when we broaden our time frame for investing, the number of times the stock market has returned negative numbers becomes much fewer. And you can see, even though it's, it's all is much fewer, but the impact isn't as great. All right. When you take it over a five year period. So when you're thinking about this and when you're thinking about volatility and you're thinking about making a decision, you want to make sure that you're invested, that you're looking at getting a strategy, investing for the long term, because the money you're putting into your retirement plan that you're saving for retirement, that is for your retirement. So you're looking at longer time periods. So when the market is up and down for a year, you don't want to react to that. Because the trend of the market, as I will show you, is to go up and you can see how it diminishes as you as you look at longer time periods. I want to take one more. I want to look at 10 year. So let's look at this 10 year time period. When you look at a 10 year return, there are only two negative 10 year periods in history. All right. So, you know, I don't know how many of you listening today, you may have experienced or known someone who experienced the periods from 1998 until 2008 or 1999 until 2009. Uh, those were some times that were critical. But if you brought those years forward to include 1998 to 2013, uh, that would be a 15 year period or from 1999 until 2014, also a 15 year period. Those periods then become positive. In fact, if you were to look at time frames representing 15 year time horizons, the stock market has never been negative over any period within those parameters. As I've said before, past performance is certainly no guarantee of future results, but these charts just simply, it gives you an idea when you're, that you're investing for the long term, that stocks are considered one of the best investments for long term, right? Now, I want to show you one of my favorite slides. And I know you see all of the lovely colors. This really shows you the importance of diversification. And I know you've heard the term diversifying. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. What does that really mean? What it really means is that those varying asset classes that we spoke about, stocks, bonds, and cash, you want to make sure that you're spreading out your investments among those. So if stocks are doing well, you've got a presence there. If bonds are doing well, you have a presence there. Cash is up, cash is doing, you have a presence there. Uh, so you want to spread out your investments and make sure that you're investing in something that's suitable uh, for your time horizon. So if we just look at this chart. Each column represents a year, and we're looking at from 2008 until end of year 2021. Each little box represents an asset class. And so if you look at this diagram, there was not one single color that was always across the top. By the same token, there was not a, always the same color along the bottom. And just because something is along the bottom, it doesn't mean that it's in the negative. It just means that there were different asset classes that outperformed them. Uh, so if you can look over, you can see the varying, uh, the varying colors. So, you know, if we looked at... Um, Oh, let's just look. If we just started the, the the first two, look at 2008, the end of 2008, mid-cap growth was the lowest performer, a negative 44.32%. If someone said I'm out of, of uh, mid-cap, mid look what happened the next year. 2009, it was the top performer, so you gained that back uh, with a little bit of extra. So it was up by 46% in 2009. I'm not promoting any asset class. I'm simply saying it just shows the variation, the ups and downs of the market. So that's why you want to make sure that you look at your time horizon, you look at your risk tolerance, and that's when you decide what, how you're going to invest and you get with your strategy and stick with that. This just simply shows that we never know what's going to be the, the top performer. So that's why you want to spread out your investments. And that's why I strongly encourage you, if you have any questions, if you're not really sure, even if you just want to do a check, then make sure that you reach out to us and speak to one of our, uh, our retirement counselors, uh, one of our financial advisors that we can help you. Um, so let's look at your plan. I think I want to stop here. Um, Miles, any questions that would relate to what we've spoken about already? Anybody need clarification on anything or can we move yeah. on? Hi, this is Dave Kaboski. I have one question for you. If you sure. look at our portfolio, okay, our mm -hmm. portfolio for this year does not even have a safe heaven 
for bonds that are positive this year. So based on that, how do you find a way to correlate your risk tolerance if you can't even find a bond, et cetera, that is even positive this year? So we look at a longer term. Uh, and once we see what your um, what your risk tolerance is and, and seeing that you would want to be in, that a bond fund would be suitable for your investment mix, then we would look at a bond fund. And even if you came in at a negative right now, um, we would look more at the longer term for you as opposed to looking at the one year. Okay, yeah, because I'm just trying to understand if you're trying to find a you know, your risk tolerance is medium to low. Mm -hmm. But even medium to low is still showing negative. Mm -hmm. Are you really at medium low? Yeah, and it's just the environment that we're in. Yeah, we're just in the environment that we're in right now. So we would want to look at what your risk tolerance is and how much longer you have before you're going to access. So that so time would take in time would also be a factor that we're looking at as well as what your risk tolerance is. Okay. So give us a call so we can see. And that way, if you call us, then that we can look at your individual situation and look to see if you have what your other investments are. And also we look holistically. So also if you're looking at outside assets that you have, we can advise on outside assets, but we can certainly take outside assets into consideration when we're looking holistically. We also want to take into consideration your household. Let's say if you have a partner or a spouse, we want to see how, how are they invested. So we really look at a household picture. So strongly encourage you to give us a call. Okay, thanks. All right, so let's look at your plan benefits and looking at just, we wanted to briefly go over your benefits, um, 90 day eligibility, entry dates are monthly, uh, the limit for 2023, I'm sorry, 2022, I'm getting ahead of myself, time is really going fast. 2022 is 20,500 uh, is the maximum that you can put in. Uh, the catch-up contributions and additional 6,500. Uh, your changes, you can do that anytime online or on the phone. And you also have an employer contribution, uh, as you can see. Um, so Devin, if you want to jump in and help me with, with this one, the match of 20% of deferrals up to 10% of your compensation. If you have been um, with Rush for five years, you have five years of service, the match is 40% of deferrals up to 10% of compensation for employees with six or more years of service. Did I get that right, Devin? I'm going to take that as a yes. All right. Now you have an automatic enrollment. So your automatic enrollment, the automatic deferral rate, 5% of compensation. Uh, there's an auto escalation on that 1% per year up to 10%. Uh, the automatic investment that's going to go in the target date funds. We'll talk a little bit more about target date funds here in just a moment. Uh, but that is an age appropriate fund. So you know, look at your birth date, look at the year, your birth year time, you know, when you turn 65, they put you in investment mix that's suitable for you today with the target date funds. Even though it's one fund name, it's like an umbrella, there are underlying funds that make up that fund. So you're placing an investment mix that's suitable for you today. As it gets closer to that target date, it's going to automatically shift and become more and more conservative. Uh, you can opt out of that at any time that you want to. Um, and the target date fund is what they're starting you in. If you want to make changes or you have questions about that, please don't hesitate to call us. Now, uh, vesting. Vesting uh, simply means ownership. How much money in the plan belongs to you? Universal rule across the board. Anytime you're putting money into a uh, retirement plan, um, any money you put in, any earnings you get off those dollars, you're always 100% vested, which simply means if you were to leave to work somewhere else, you'd be entitled to make a decision about the money you put into the plan. If you for your contributions from your employer, it adheres to a vesting schedule. And it's in 20% increments, and it goes back to your years of service. So after you have been employed for five years, you're 100% vested, meaning if you left after that time, you'd be entitled to make a decision about everything, uh, all the money that's inside of your plan. 
uh, you get vesting credits by working a thousand hours in a year. That takes you to the next increment of vesting. The other thing I want to briefly hit on is that, you know, you decide how much you want to put into the plan uh, and you have a choice as to when you want to pay your taxes. Do you want to put in that you want to pay your taxes later or do you want to pay your taxes now? The traditional uh, 401k plan um, when you're putting your your contributions in, then you would when you take the money out, you put it in pre-tax money you put into the plan, it doesn't affect your take home pay by that exact dollar amount. You're reducing your taxable income. Fast forward to the point that you plan to retire. When you take money out, then you would pay taxes at that time. You also have the Roth feature, which is the Roth 401k following the same guidelines uh, as the traditional. The only thing is that you're putting the money in on an after-tax basis. So the money you put in, it would affect your take-home pay by that exact dollar amount. Now, you can either do Roth or you can do traditional. Now, if you're doing Roth, when you fast forward to the point that you plan to retire, then that is a tax-free distribution. And what's tax-free is the accumulation because you've already put in after-tax dollars. The accumulation is tax-free, right? Uh, so between the two, you can exceed the dollar limits of $20,500 or the additional $6,500 uh, if you were doing the catch-up contribution. So you can switch between the two. You can do them concurrently. You can do them simultaneously. Uh, it's totally up to you. Once you make a decision, you're not locked into that decision. You can make changes anytime that you want to, once again, on the phone or online. Uh, we have a couple of calculators out on captrustadvice.com if you want to see what would benefit you better to do pre-tax or after tax. Uh, and then you could always call us on the advice desk and we can help you with that process as well, determining which would work better for you. Right? There's no one size fits all answer. Now, in selecting your investments, there are a couple of things that, that will help you determine the right investment types for you. The first is you want to look at your goal. What are your financial goals? How much do you need for them? You know, how much you need to save for retirement will impact your investment decisions. You know, if you want to travel, if you want to have vacation homes, you're most likely you're going to need more money than someone who would like to relax in their current setting. The next thing you want to consider is time. How much time do you have before you can actually need the money? If you have a long time between now and when you expect to retire, your investments will typically be growth oriented. Uh, an investor with a long time horizon, you know, they may have a larger percentage of their retirement invested in stock mutual funds. Um, you know, the however, as you get closer, then you might want to start being a little bit more conservative. Uh, you want to try to look at, you know, your investment mix incorporating more bonds and cash into your portfolio. The last factor, once again, is how much risk you're comfortable with. And that's what we call your risk tolerance. There are several different ways that you have to select your investments. Um, you can do it yourself, customize your own portfolio, research on your provider's website, use outside sources, determine what investments that you want to use, call us at CapTrust. You know, we can help you create a portfolio that would be suitable for you. The second way is that we have some preset models, which would be based upon personal risk tolerance. That would be for someone who's conservative, moderate aggressive, uh, moderately aggressive. Um, and so you would choose one of the one of the models. Or if you want to choose the target date funds, the target date funds, which is the default. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. All right. So here are your fund choices. So if you want to create your own portfolio, this stair step, this, this ladder goes from conservative at the bottom all the way up to the top where it's more aggressive. These are your fund options that you have in your core fund lineup, and you can mix and match. You can choose however you want to. Once you make a decision, you're not locked into that decision for these varying funds. And you can see that they're divided. You have your stable value. We talked about that. That would be like a cash, uh, your cash or your, your, your fund, uh, like a money market or cash. It's going to be the Fidelity, Fidelity um, Managed Account, Class one. You have your you have two bond funds. Uh, you have your target date funds. You have your large cap value, your blend. And the blend is simply means it's going to be a, a blend of value and growth companies. Then you have your mid cap, which shows as medium, your foreign, your small cap, um, you have growth and you have blend. So you have a wide array of choices. Uh, whatever your temperament is, we should be able to find something that would be suitable uh, for you. 
Um, so here again, that's looking at your individual fund lineup. When you're looking at individually, you might want to consider rebalancing. And so rebalancing just simply means that if some of your uh, funds that you have have outgrown, um, have grown up, uh, uh, faster than some of your other funds. So now you may have a higher presence uh, in that in that particular fund, and maybe a higher presence may not be suitable for you, that if something happens in the market, you might feel more of a, a hit from that. So what you wanna do is bring it back to a balanced uh, allocation that, that you'll be suitable for you. So like this one started off with 50 in stocks, 50 in bonds, where their stock funds outperformed the bonds, and now they have a 60% presence instead of a 50% presence. That person might not be comfortable with having 60% in stocks, so they can rebalance it. So what it does, it sells what did well, buy in what didn't do well to bring you back to an allocation that is suitable for your risk tolerance. Uh, and if you are, so that's doing that inside of, um, if you're creating your own. When you're looking at the target date funds, with the target date funds, it's gonna automatically rebalance. So once again, you have a target date fund, you'll have a number associated with that. That's looking at the year that you would plan to retire. And so that, that fund manager is doing the work on your behalf, placing you in, in an investment mix that's suitable for you today is automatically shifting, becoming more and more conservative as it gets closer to that target date. When you're looking at the target date funds, one fund, but the underlying funds, there's a portion going into stocks, a portion going into bonds, a portion going into cash. And so these funds are going to be from the Vanguard uh, fund family. Uh, when you're looking at those funds for the target date. So um, you want to choose one or the other. You either want to create your own, choose one of the target date funds, or choose one of the models, right? Once you make a decision, you're not locked into that decision. You can make changes anytime that you want to. Now, the main contacts for your plan, if you have questions about the plan, reach out to Deb and Duty. If you have transactions that you want to make, um, you're going to reach out to Fidelity and asking questions. If you want to check your balance, change investments, if you've got questions about the website, uh, you want to take out a loan, you have rollovers, you call Fidelity. Any advice, you want to make sure you reach out to CapTrust. Uh, and there are a couple of ways that you can reach us. You can either call us directly at 800-967-9948, Monday through Thursday, 8.30 a.m. until 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Friday, 8.30 a.m. until 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If you want to go onto the website, captrustadvice.com, you can schedule an appointment and we'll reach out to you. Those hours are extended for scheduling an appointment until 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Thursday, until 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Uh, we are here readily available. And however you want to take the conversation as it relates to financial wellness, we are available to speak to you. So even if you have questions about budgeting or you have questions about 529 plans, anything about financial wellness, please reach out to us because we can help you. Okay, Miles, are there other questions? All right, anybody have any questions out there? Hi, uh, so I'm going to okay. stop. Sorry, can you, can you all guys hear me? Now we can. Yes. So what, um, one item I wanted to point out is that it was mentioned that the wait was 90 days. That is actually incorrect. The eligibility is first of the month following 30 days. Okay, I'll make sure to make that correction. But everything else was great. Thank you. All right, any other questions? Uh, one quick question here um, for for the individuals that came over from Summit and our years of service transferred over, um, is that apply to the vesting schedule as well? Uh, Devin, are you on the phone? I'm going to defer that one to you. Yes, I was just unmuting myself. <laughs> yes, those years of service are going to be applied. Um, so that vesting schedule will be reflective of 
your prior service with Summit as a previous employer. Okay. So if you've been with the company, with been with Summit for five years, you're at, you still have you're at one hundred percent for vesting. That is correct. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anything else out there? It looks like there was a question in the chat box. What is the appointment time when calling Cap Trust? Uh, are you to schedule an appointment? 8.30 a.m. until 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Thursday. 8.30 a.m. until 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Thank you, and the, the appointments are scheduled. The appointments are 30 minute in 30 minute increments. Uh, and you can call as often as you I mean, you can set as many appointments as you want. If you think you're going to need more than 30 minutes, then you might want to schedule an hour. It looked like uh, Trish asked how long it normally takes. Oh, so 30 to 45 minutes. Is that 30 minutes? Mm -hmm. That pretty standard. OK, mm -hmm. 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, and it just uh, depends so, on how complex mm -hmm. your your questions are and how much information you need to get. And you know, once again, you can have as many set as many appointments, call as often as you like, uh, follow up. Sometimes some calls, you know, warrant a follow up conversation. All right. And Carolyn Warner is asking to roll over 4K from previous employer. Do you contact Fidelity? Uh, yes. First, you would contact your old employer to get whatever paperwork they needed. Uh, and then you would want to contact Fidelity. Okay. And then Cynthia, it looks like you have a question. Yes, I just wanted to ask, is the slide presentation available to us? Uh, when you get the recording, the slides will show on the recording. I think Devin is, I'm sorry, Miles is, has recorded this one. So you'll see the slides as well. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll send out the follow up afterwards. Huh? Okay. And, and and when you just when you send the follow up, we just make a note that there should be a correction on the slide for the eligibility number of days. Oh, right. OK, yeah. Apologize for that. Um, Al, by the way, if everybody looks in the chat, Allison just a couple minutes ago uh, put the link for the survey. So really appreciate if you guys could fill that out uh, when you get a chance. Um, any final questions? Hey, seems like we're good. Um, so just to wrap things up here, um, since we're transitioning from WLI to PLN, um, don't send anything to the WLI email um, because it will float off into the ether. Um, so for for the time being, uh, you can that, there's my email there. So if you have uh, questions, if you have feedback, um, if you have ideas for sessions, things like that, um, that can go into the survey. You can also contact me there. Uh, and just, uh, just we'll just use that for the time being. Uh, next month, we're going to be talking about uh, representing the company's brand through social media and online presence. And we're going to hear from a couple of people from marketing. They're going to talk about that. That'll be Wednesday, March 23rd at 11. And uh, in the follow up, I'll have recording for the call. I'll also have um, the survey link there as well. Um, so for today, uh, Deborah, I really appreciate you showing up today. That was really good information and I appreciate uh, how open you are to follow up for this for if people have further questions or if they need more help. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of help. So thank you very much. And don't forget to sign up for the webinar tomorrow. Oh yeah, and I was going to mention that too. When I send the follow up this afternoon, the, so the the link to register for the webinar is in the chat if you scroll up a bit, a little bit. And I'll send the follow up this afternoon, and I'll put the information in there as well, so that you guys can track that down. Okay. All right, thank you very much, guys. Thanks everyone for being here. Thank you.